What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey everybody, it's Paul Fontaine alongside Ryan Frederick, and we're it's the latest episode of In the Clinch on the Fight Game Media Network. Uh, I want to thank you all for uh, listening and for subscribing. And if you haven't subscribed, please click that subscribe button, leave us a five star review, it really helps us out. And uh, if you haven't already, please consider uh, signing up for our Patreon at uh, fightgamemedia.com backslash Patreon. Sorry, patreon.com backslash Viking Media. And uh, help support all of the great shows here on the free feed and the um, and the Patreon feed. And uh, I've got a show on there. And uh, uh, Ryan and I occasionally will do extra shows on there. But uh, it helps keep this thing going. So please consider that. But uh, Ryan, we uh, got a busy show this week. Well, I mean, there's been busier, I guess. But uh, we uh, we got to talk about and and it's. I'm glad you always uh, send me a rundown. Uh, you know, earlier in the day, and the, the one thing that I actually was interested in is the thing you mentioned, and and I think anybody that watched the pay per view probably is curious as well. And uh, it was uh, what uh, this announcement that uh, Dana White was talking about that he's going to make in Abu Dhabi. So tell us all about that, or, or you know, the story. Anyways, I, I don't know what you know, but okay, here's here's what I know. They're they're gonna Dana has been working on some stuff. He mentioned like last year, even during the pan- pandemic, he'd been working on uh, working with the Abu Dhabi government on some things, you know, and he was just waiting to the time that he was gonna announce it. And when we were at the post fight press conference uh, Saturday night, he he brought it up, said that you know when they get to Abu Dhabi, he's gonna make some announcements. Stuff. This is all concerning Abu Dhabi and all that. From what I know is it's more than likely they're going to extend their agreement to hold show, 
hold a yearly event there. Uh, very likely they're going to announce a performance Institute there okay. uh, because they really want to focus on getting, getting people in that region in. And plus a lot of fighters, a lot of UFC fighters, they go to Dubai and Abu Dhabi to train. So whenever they go there, this gives them a place to go to as opposed, you know, as opposed to, you know, random gym and all that. Uh, and there's been talk. Okay. I'm trying to think of how to, how to properly phrase this. They've, when the apex became a thing, they were, they were looking at doing something where they had, had regional promotions that maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe were under the UFC banner, maybe weren't, but that, that catered to like Asia. Like if you remember the road to Asia thing, thing they did for, uh, Mm -hmm. for, uh, recently they were trying to do stuff like that, but stuff that catered to specific markets, they might be doing something similar here in Abu Dhabi, like running shows, whether it's under the UFC banner or under a different kind of banner, just local shows to help build. Well, they have that in there. They have that ADW Abu Dhabi warriors promotion that, uh, you know, has pretty high quality fighters on it. So maybe it could be something like that where they would like either take that over or let them use the facility to do their shows and put it on fight. It could be, it it could be, they want to just have their homegrown homegrown or it could be a situation where they do a yearly contender series series Abu Mm. Dhabi. I mean, originally we were supposed to have, you know, they did that contender series Brazil for a couple episodes, yep. episodes, and they were supposed to do a contender series Asia and all that. But then again, the pandemic happened, and it kind of, yeah. kind of threw a wrench in a whole lot of, a lot of plans. But I think that's, that's pretty much the big thing going on. There's going to be okay. some kind of fight promotion kind of thing, I guess, going on down, down there involving the UFC. You know, whether it's under UFC banner, or under some something else, you know, contender series banner. Or whatever. That's that's kind of what I have heard. But the big things are are you know announcing an, uh, an extended partnership with the Abu Dhabi government and and the Performance Institute there. So okay, so that's I mean honestly that's kind of what I was thinking it was going to be. And so I, I guess when we were going back and forth, and I said you know I don't know how big of a deal it is, and you're like, well, it's a big deal. I guess in the sense that I mean we're probably talking about a lot of money. Um, you know, yeah. like a lot, a lot of money. And then not only that, but I mean, they, knowing the way they do things, they're probably paying for this P- PC or PI, um, you know, like, so they're, they're going to pay it and then give you get basically just give it to UFC um, in, in exchange for them developing fighters in the area. So that's, you know, that's a huge, um, you know, like thing for UFC. It increases the company value. It's, yeah. it gives them a breeding ground for fighters. It's, and, huge money like probably 50 million a show yeah. you would think yeah. right i couldn't tell you but i mean and there could even be more more to this than what i even know so yeah so who knows who knows but maybe that. more than one a year like I, I was thinking one a year seems like you could almost do two um you know and i i mean i don't know about especially if they're going to use the numbered pay-per-views um i mean i'm sure they'll do it if they pay but yeah i mean uh, yeah. they really only need one they really only need one paper one pay-per-view a year there, maybe one pay-per-view and one, one regular fight night, yeah. fight night show. But, uh, cause pay-per-views there's, they're starting to become limited. I mean, there's going to be, you yeah. know, we, I was kind of running it down with somebody. There's, there might come a time where these pay-per-views are in the same locations every single year. And, yeah. 
you know, well, you're you're four in Vegas, you're one in Abu Dhabi, you're one in Madison Square Garden, then you're gonna have one or two, two in Texas every year, and then probably one in Jacksonville. That leaves only only three venues for for pay per views, and that's that's unless that's if they don't have a deal for future pay per view events in Singapore. It's gonna come. It's gonna come yeah. a time where where literally like like if you're a city or an arena and you want a UFC pay per view, you're gonna, gonna have, have to, bid to start. For it. You're yeah. gonna have to bid for it. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's what it's getting to. And and you know, and then you can do your stadium shows. You can you can go to Melbourne. You can go to Toronto. You can go you know to uh, you know New York, uh, Chicago. You know, yeah. Like and do and do these stadium shows. And then we're talking like I, big big money. I'll uh, I will say sit on that because Dan was asked about about the Cowboy Stadium and all that. And I yeah. know Dana. If it was up to him, he doesn't want to do stadiums. He uh, he oh. prefers. He prefers these big buildings fit the seat fifteen thousand to twenty five thousand. He just okay. he doesn't like the stadium experience. He he's okay. and he said that he said that if anybody's listening in YouTube, Paul, if you want to go back and check out his his post fight press conference from Saturday night, yeah, he, he okay. brought that up. He just said he he loves these buildings because he lo- he loves everybody being able to see the action and not having people sit up way up high and you know, you can barely see anything and you're having to look at a look at the screen the entire time. well yeah and and, and also you have the you, you also have the crowd it was like so hot and and they're always hot in oh these, yeah and and that doesn't carry as well in a stadium show always sometimes it does but usually yeah. usually in a smaller building you, you you really experience the crowd and the fighters feed off of it um you know and it also makes it a better show to watch so yeah no that makes a lot of sense and, I, and if they can do a four four point five million dollar gate every time they run an arena i mean and then 10 million for the you know for the vegas and and msg shows then yeah they don't even need to do stadiums so yeah um all right so that's that and and we'll look forward to hearing uh hearing what they have to say and we'll talk about your experience at ufc 277 in a bit but uh first uh we did have the contender series and uh it was uh i mean up until the main event it was a pretty uh boring show to get through um and uh i mean i watched it i can't remember it was i think maybe wednesday maybe thursday and you know i didn't know what had happened or anything and i'm watching these fights and i'm like i don't know who they're going to give a contract to i'm like you know we we had alessandro costra got a win in the first fight dennis bushka uh in the second fight anton turk turkalje or Tukali in the third fight and i was like oh maybe the last guy he was you know he looked pretty good and everything and then the main event um tell us about what happened in the main event with joseph pfeiffer and ozzy diaz and then and then what happened afterwards well pfeiffer knocked him out and then the whole, yeah the only finish on this on the show i watched it live tuesday so i'm kind of forgetting exactly how how yeah, yeah. the how the fight ended because i had a busy weekend so so mm-hmm. anything that happened pre yeah, was pre-friday i'm kind of forgetting <laughs> yeah yeah but uh yeah pfeiffer finished them and uh he was the only one to get a contract, which actually surprised me. It surprised mm-hmm. me a whole lot that he was the only one that got a contract. Well, and then Dana's speech. I mean, he basically yeah. just said, you know, like I'm watching these fights and I don't care what you did before you got here. I only care about what you do when you're here. And if you want to get a contract for the UFC, be Joe Pfeiffer. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. And then he just walked off. And then like the announcer, I can't remember her name. Uh, Laura, Sanka. Sanka? Laura Sanka. Laura yeah. Sanka. Yeah. She's, she's like, she, like Dana, like, who gets a contract? Like she had no idea. And is, is it only Pfeiffer? And like Dana must have said, yeah. And then he didn't even go back on camera. Like that's it. That's all he said. Yeah. 
and uh, and these three guys that all got wins are sitting in these chairs like waiting and uh i don't think a couple of them uh didn't speak english so i don't even know if they knew what was going on but um you know be joe pfeiffer and then you know and that was trending and and if you watch the pay-per-view they even joe pfeiffer was in the crowd and he got a nice pop and they had on, on the graphic be joe pfeiffer um you know that's like if you know and then they even mentioned on the thing like so dana was just saying like you know if you want this contract you got to go for it just winning isn't enough you want you got to impress me and uh i thought that was a good message to send and maybe we're going to get some better fights i don't know like i if history's any indication we're probably going to see these guys in ufc you know like in the next six months to a year anyways but um you know this is this was a message that he sent and uh it was good and piper Cut a great promo. Uh, seems like a really, really cool guy. Middleweight, um, you know, he uh, is a guy like you know he's he's made a name for himself, and uh, look forward to seeing what he does next. Yeah. Okay. So I'll say this much: because I had a lot of th- a lot of thoughts. Whenever okay. I was thinking who was going to get contracts, I was thinking Bazooka and uh, Turkali were going to get them, and I was basing yeah. a lot based on how Dane has been the last two years. And I think the, I think the way that Dane has been, been the last two years on the contender series and a lot of the criticism he's gotten over it. I think, you know, this was kind of like, almost like maybe Dana's taking going back to the original approach of it and not, and not handing everybody a contract. When you look at, at the last two years, there were 76 contracts given out. And if you look at the names of the people who have gotten contracts, a lot of them, probably the majority of them, have not panned out so far. They're just, you know, there's there's been a couple guys, you know, who from the last few years who have done good, but the vast majority of people, I mean, there's there I think I counted there's already been, you know, double digits out of those seventy six that aren't even on the roster here. Yeah. Here we are a year or two year or two later. And, you know, they signed seventy six over the first over the first three years plus the Brazil shows, they only gave 80 contracts out and then they wow. gave almost that many over the la- last two years. And, and there was just, I mean, they, they gave contracts to guys last year who weren't ready. And some of they them gave contracts to guys that lost or one guy anyways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one, well, that was a really good, good fight. But then again, Candelario, he hasn't won yet. One in the UFC yeah. and neither has the guy who, who beat him. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I, th- I think, I think I think, uh, I think just, you know, I think Dana got the message that, that, you know, all the criticism, like you signed too many guys last couple of years who weren't re- who weren't ready. And it was kind of fun, funny, you know, the whole, the whole, his demeanor at the end kind of showed that. I mean, usually he go he goes down the list of the winners and say, yeah, and tells you what you need to do, but he seemed pissed. And, but I mean, if, uh, I mean, if this was a message that, hey, you know, even winning a clo- even winning an exciting fight is not going to get you a contract, you're going to need to finish and be impressive. Then it sets a good tone for the for the show, and I really hope we get back to you know only a handful of guys signing because another big thing with all with signing all these guys is you're having to also let other veterans go that you might yeah. not might not want to, and it's just mm-hmm. because you have too many fighters for not enough spots. And a lot of, you know, you know, and uh, it's just, I don't think the money is a factor, factor and all that. No, it's, it's it's the spots you have. Just, hey, let's, hey, let's cut this guy who, who's making a bunch of money and replace him with a contender guy who, who's, you know, not ready, but we could pay like, uh, like, I don't think 
that money is making that much of a difference over over quality of fighter so how many how many uh how many fighters approximately and and i know you don't probably have the exact number but you probably have a good idea how many fighters do they have under contract right now uh it's near 700 okay and they do roughly 600 fights a year so right there you literally don't have enough spots to give two fights a year to every single fighter I mean, obviously there's injuries and, and, you know, time off and suspensions and whatnot, but if, yeah. you know, everybody was healthy, you can't give them two fights a year uh, because, you know, you're, you're doing a 42 events a year and about 14 events a card, which is uh, th- that works out to just under 600. Um, you know, obviously some fights have 15, but you never have more than 15 and oftentimes you have 13 or 12. So um, yeah, I, you're right. Like they're just, it's not the money, it's the spots. I mean, if it's the money, yeah, you'd want the younger guys because they make less money. But um, it's it's the it's the actual spots on the cart. There's a there's roughly five hundred ninety three okay. fighters on the roster. Give there or, you go. Give so or take, it's, give or take some yeah. numbers. So so yeah. So that's I mean, so that's probably about the amount of fights that you have in a year. So you know, you have two fighters to make a fight. So you know, literally two fights per person is the maximum you could give. And and obviously they want to try to give them three. Um, yeah. you know, and some fighters want to go four or five, but, um, you know, put three or four is probably the ideal number three, really two is, you know what you get rusty if you're only fighting twice a year and then they're not making enough money either. So, um, yeah, so we, we got that. And then, so we, we have next week or this week, I guess, uh, tomorrow as we're recording or today, as you're listening, uh, looking at the list and I see the one name that, you know, I've heard a lot of talk about is Billy Goff. Um, he, uh, he's a fighter that, you know, he's seven and two, but he's got a nice little win streak going. He's fought in Bellator before and CES, which is on fight pass, got a couple knockouts in a row actually on, on there. And, uh, that, that's a guy, that's the one name I recognize on this show. Um, just one battle of undefeated fighters. A couple guys that are five and zero oh fighting. Uh, do you know anything about any of these other guys? Um, looking up, uh, no, no name that kind of stands out on me stands out to me but a lot of guys from sarah Matt sarah's team and i think from from uh uh you know hell yeah some there's some uh there's some guys with a lot of good records on here yeah on here and there's everybody actually made another, weight. everybody yeah. made weight, everyone made so, weight okay yeah another name i thought looked familiar is shannon ross uh nickname's yeah, turkish really- delight he's from australia but he um he fought on the uh uae warrior show that's what i said adw i meant uae um that's that's the one earlier that i was saying that uh, they could take out um he's a flyweight and uh he he's all he's got some wins over you know some names i know like he fought an acb which is a pretty high quality um uh show um promotion from uh, russia so yeah him and yeah but i mean you know we'll see what happens we'll see if the guys take dana's message to heart um and uh and try to uh try to impress him enough to get a contract um there's a heavyweight out there with a six and oh record and he's got five four knockouts so um We'll see. We'll see how good how good he does. But yeah, that is the contender series. That's on ESPN Plus and TSN in Canada, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so you can check that out, and you can check it out on demand later. And uh, that's uh, that's. Oh yeah, and then uh, what were we gonna? 
Oh no, we'll we'll go over UFC 277 and then we can um, we can we can do the PFL after that. So, as I mentioned earlier, you were there live. Uh, UFC 277 in Dallas, American Airlines Center, two title fights. Um, and it's funny. I got I got to tell this story. I get a uh, a text message from uh, our friend uh, Peach Machine before the fights. I haven't heard from him in a in a while. And he this is before the main card start, and he's like. Give me some parlays, or you know, tell me who who I should pick. I want to do some gambling, and and uh, I'm like, okay. So I went to my ROI, and I gave him my ROI picks. He just wanted the top three fights, so I told him go for the underdogs. There's value in the underdogs. And then I Whoops. said, and if you want, so that would be Lewis, Kaikar France, and Juliana Pena. And then I said, and uh, I said, if you want props, I said the flyweight fight will probably go the distance, and the main event will probably end in the finish. So. Literally Whoops. every single thing I told him was wrong. But you know what? That's what you get for asking me and not you. Um, but the funny thing is, I look back at what I sent Garrett for the Fight Game Media panel, and and I actually had picked four of them right. <laughs> so he said, well, why didn't you send me that instead of giving me your shitty advice? I'm like, well, yeah, sorry. Uh, but yeah, we uh, main event was uh, Amanda Nunez regained the uh, her bantamweight title. Uh, she just destroyed Juliana Pena. I mean, the fight was competitive as competitive as a well competitive is probably a strong word um she stayed in it she didn't give up she was going for submissions the whole time she literally left pieces of herself in the octagon um and this was you know amanda nunez looked like she could have gotten another five rounds when it was over and juliana pena looked like she well she needed plastic surgery when the fight was over so um she didn't this was a Oh, she didn't. That was a lie no. or a misinformation. Okay. No, they sent her to plastic surgeon, but she didn't need. She didn't need it. Okay. Said well, I heard like she a, literally a piece of her forehead was torn off. Is that not? Was that an exaggeration? I, I she. You were there. Her, her, she was bleeding may, like yeah. crazy though. Like she every time her head crazy. was on the mat, you, there was like. You could see the blood hanging off of the cage. Off, yeah. the, off the links in the cage, like like it was is is a is a mess. There was one spot where she where Nunez had a guillotine and uh, and she had Amanda or she had Juliana's head down towards a thing and they sh- they did a close up for a brief second and you could see it was like a faucet, the blood just pouring out of her. Yeah. Like I don't know how much blood she lost, but it was a lot. Um, yeah, that you were there. You were you know you were closer than anybody but the referee. Um, what did, what did you think? It was just, I mean, when I saw Amanda Nunez at the weigh-ins on Friday morning, I mean, I picked her. I picked her last week when we did the show, and I, I had and I had felt like she was going to win. When I saw her, she was in incredible shape. She was remarkably different than she looked looked in December. And I saw that, and I go like, she's not losing losing <laughs> this fight. And it's just, and yeah, say what you will, Pena pain, pain beat her beat her in December, December. Yeah. December, like that's that's a, that's a win. That's a win. Yes, Nunez Nunez was dealing with co- coming off of COVID, dealing with a knee injury that zapped her, that meant she couldn't couldn't do cardio cardio, and you know, and she also was starting a new team and didn't really have a proper time with them with everything going on. I mean, those are those are all reasons why a man like the regular Amanda Nunez did not perform perform up to her best in, in December and Pena capitalized to her credit, to her credit. Mm-hmm. But, but when you break this down, I mean, nine times out of 10, Amanda Nunez is going to win this fight. 
And I did feel like looking at Pena during the week, I felt like there was a sense of overconfidence there and just, just, uh, just, you know, kind of, she almost was kind of dismissive of, of Amanda a lot during, a lot during the week, which is kind of really unfair because when you look at how that first fight went, I mean, you got to prove yourself. I mean, especially now that Amanda was a hundred percent percent and just, it was, I mean, Amanda Nunez is still the best female fighter in the world. I still think, mm-hmm. I still think, and this is just, this is just proved that she had a bad night in December and it happens. People have fighters have bad nights every once in a while. And, you know, everybody's not, you know, she's lost before lost before. And as good as some, some fighters look, everybody can be vulnerable on, on the wrong night. And she was in December and she wasn't on Saturday night. It was just absolutely dominant. And Nunez, could have finished her, and Nunez said after the fight that that she knows she could have finished her, but she wanted to beat her down for five rounds, <laughs> and she almost made some mistakes in yeah. doing that. I mean, yeah, there was I mean, there's a couple of those uh, submissions that look pretty tight. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched a replay. To me, they didn't look outside of that one arm bar. I think it was in the fourth or something. Yeah, yeah, something. like a I Kimura. Don't think, I don't think anything like. Like, I mean, a lot of them were like Omoplata setups, which Omoplata, I mean, it can happen, but we've rarely seen it happen. So it's very unlikely that that's going to happen. And Amanda's still a black belt on the ground. Mm-hmm. Ground, uh, She's just, I mean, she made some mistakes in probably toying too much in certain positions and paying yeah. almost their cost. But I mean, it's just, it's just night and day, the difference between the two, two when both are... I guess, you know, you can't say everybody's 100%, but if they were both 80%, it's, you know, night and day difference. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The the one thing that I thought was um was was interesting when they were on the feet, um, Amanda clearly like was like two levels above her. So every time Amanda went for a takedown, like Juliana, she didn't even try to defend it. Like she, it was all, she was almost pulling guard. Like, I don't want to say she was pulling guard, but she was, every time she'd go for a takedown, she, you know, she'd just drop. And she, cause I think she thought she had a better chance on her back. Yeah. She would let it, she would just let it happen. Just yeah. Just yeah. Go on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Emmanuel, Amanda was totally fine doing that because she was slicing her up with the elbows and, you know, and yeah, she was getting herself into a little bit of trouble, but nothing, like you said, she's a black belt. So nothing that she was terribly, concerned about and then every once in a while she just lay loose and and let her go and when a man when juliana tried to get up 
like she she got up or you know i think maybe once or twice she got they she got stood up but um it, yeah it was i mean it was really one-sided i think maybe the closest round was the first and it wasn't even all that close um what uh what did you score i had a 50 44 i gave a 10 8 second but I saw there was a 50-43 in there, and, you know, I don't have any problem with that. Like, you could have scored any one of those last four rounds of 10-8, you know, I thought. I had 50-44 as a 10-8 second, just like Yeah, I mean, three knockdowns in the second round, I mean, that's that's a 10-8. Like, the one judge that gave it 50-45, like, I don't know how. It's it's crazy that there was three knockdowns, but Pena actually landed landed more in the round than than Well, they showed the significant strikes, and again, I know sometimes they update the stats later, but they were actually even. The first two rounds were both even. I think it was like 11-11 and 18-18 or something. Um, But then, you know, something, and that's significant, so the total strikes sometimes is more, but... Stats don't make fights. No, 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 exactly. And then the, the the last three rounds, I mean, it was it was all Nunez. But I was surprised because they didn't show the strike stats until like the fifth round. And I was surprised that the first two were as close as they were because, like I said, the 10-8 to me in the second was was just about the most obvious 10-8 you're going to see. Um, I mean, if that was boxing, I mean, the fight's over, um, you know, yeah. because the three knockdown rule. And, and it was uh, almost over. It was almost over at a couple of times too. Yeah, yeah. Well, make his man to just get backing up. It's like, get up. Let's do this again. Yeah. You know, I'll knock you down again. No problem. Um, she was so confident. Like, I, I mean, every round she was smiling, like coming out for the round. Like, you know, I, oh, yeah, I get to beat her up again. Um, and then she was so happy after the fight. She said she wanted a beer. She took a beer from somebody um, or somebody gave her a beer. I didn't say she didn't steal it. Um, she, I, they said on the broadcast that she wants to fight till she's 40 which is like another six years. So, um, you know, we're not even close to seeing the end. Although Rogan did mention like, you know, for her, like to just leave now on top with two belts would be like great, but no, she wants to keep fighting. And, uh, and that'd be good for her because I mean, she, you know, she's not even close to being done if, if this was any indication. And um, I don't even, I don't even know that any, there's no obvious fight at Bantamweight right now. Like they're talking about Valentina, um, you know, obviously if Kayla Harrison wants to come in and do 145, they can do that. But I don't like who do you, who do you go to at 135? Like the so. the fight to make is it now's the time. Do Nunez and Valentina Valentina yeah. three. There is no clear contender, clear top contender in either division now. Yeah. Now, you know, with especially with me Tate losing losing at her one twenty five debut. Like there's there's nothing there's no clear you know, no. you know, get the get Nunez and Valentina together. Together. I mean, do you even need to do a title fight? Maybe ask them to. Maybe see if they'll do it at like one thirty or one thirty-two, two, and do do almost like a B, a women's BMF. Do we even need to put a bantamweight title on the line? It kind of be kind of be unfair for Nunez to put one of her belts up, belts up kind of situation, kind of situation, but uh. But yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I almost want, like, I don't know if she could get down to 125, but that's where I no, think she like, can't. The, I don't think she yeah, can. Yeah. That would, that would be the good fight. Like, you know, them two at 125, if she could get to 125, is, is what would interest me. But even at 135, like, they fought twice. One was a split decision. And the first one, you know, Amanda won by decision, but that was the one where she had won the first two rounds and Valentina, like, you know, dominated the third. And if it would have gone five, you know, most people think that she would have won. 
Um, and, so, and the second fight was super close. I could have gone either yeah, way. So absolutely. But yeah. Now, now's the time because, because when you kind of look at it, you cannot, you cannot go straight to Nunez Pena three. It's no, not, you couldn't after, you can't after this and, and yeah, it's one, one, but Pena or Nunez has won six of those six of the seven rounds. And she was completely, and you can say she was completely dominant in a minimum of three of them, of three of those yeah. rounds. Like it's not even, yeah. not even close. Pena needs to fight somebody, somebody who you know, Holly Holm or somebody, get another yeah. win, maybe even two, and then, and then the third Nunez fight would be good. I bet she's got to win. But, but whenever you look at Nunez, I mean, it's Ketlin Vieira, Irene Aldana, Raquel Pennington, and she's already beat once. Beat once. That's what's there. And for for uh, Shevchenko, yeah, the Tyler Santos rematch is there because people will be interested because Santos almost beat her. But then you got to wait on wait on you know is Manifiero going to get by Chukagian and put herself in the in the mix? Is uh, Alexa Grasso going to get get by Vivian Araju and put herself in the mix? And if those two lose, it's okay. Yeah. Santos and then waiting until. People like Blanchfield or or Casey O'Neill already, which could be a couple of years down the line. Yeah. So I mean, really, right could, now, right now, could, is the, right now is the time. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree, and and I think that would be a big fight. I mean, as big as you're going to get for um for women right now, um, because this one, um, this show doesn't seem to have done a very very good pay per view number, and in, in early indications are. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, I think they were, this is like the one time maybe of a year where WWE actually had more, at least the same amount of interest, maybe even slightly more, um, over UFC pay-per-view, um, you know, with SummerSlam and big stadium show and everything. Um, we got the other title fight, uh, again, the one that I said was going to go the distance. And I mean, it looked like it was gonna like the, the, the way it was shaping up first two rounds were extremely close between Brandon Moreno and Kaikar France. Like I, I chose, you know, I think like, you know, again, like I always say this with scoring, like if you gave one guy the first round, you're probably going to give the other guy the second round. Cause they're both so close. Um, and really like for either guy to have been ahead 2018 would, would have been wrong. Um, after the, you know, after the first two rounds and then the third round, Kaikar France had, a uh, he, he got a nice shot that opened up Brandon Moreno up early in the round and and he was you know he was winning the round uh up until uh the last minute when brandon moreno just started coming back and he nailed uh kaikar france with a with a liver kick and that was actually the story of the night there was a few of those uh, on the show and uh this one uh just you know kaikar france just went down and that was it like it was over i mean i think he landed a couple more shots but uh he he won the fight 434 of the third round uh won the interim flyweight title uh divison figueredo was there came into the cage they had a face-off crowd you know picked their they loved moreno and they hated figueredo and uh they did a little promo to set up a match and uh figueredo's like i fought you in your home country i want you to come to brazil and friend whatever i'll fight you wherever you want like i just want to fight you and i said i respect you but i want to fight you and uh and and it was really cool like it was total babyface heel uh, and this crowd uh, was, I mean, they were, this was like a pro wrestling crowd. Like they had their favorites and they had the people they didn't like, and they did no problem telling you who they were. And uh, I thought this was, uh, you know, 
first two rounds were not exactly what I was expecting. You know, I was hoping for a little bit more, but the third round was was pretty good. And Brandon Moreno is just the best champion ever. Best baby face. Okay, I will rebut you on something. I had a 2018 okay. for Moreno you did. after two. After you had two. two. Okay, okay. Yeah. And See, the, and I had... And the scorecards, there was one 2018 Moreno, one 2018 Car of France, and a 1919. So... Okay, well, that. there you go. And and the funny thing is, okay, so if I'm being honest, like I gave Kai Car France the first round, and I kind of thought he won the second round, but it was so close, I didn't want to say he was up 2018, so I, I gave it to Moreno, which I know is not the way to score, but I would have been that judge that would have given 2018 Kai Car France. So I, yeah. it didn't matter, but... Brandon Moreno was the star of the show. This crowd yeah. was was heavily Hispanic, for one. For one, It was heavily Hispanic, but... Brandon Moreno, they've got a star in him. Oh yeah, and they could they could put him anywhere in Texas, Arizona, Southern California. They could put him anywhere in a headline spot in those in any of those highly Hispanic markets, and it'll sell out. They've got a super they've got a superstar on their hand, hands with them. And Figueroa, who uh, you know, he didn't look like somebody who was ready to make one twenty five anytime soon. <laughs> Um, yeah, not make uh, one forty-five. <laughs> yeah, you know, Figueroa was calling for this fight for Brazil, for Brazil, and Moreno's like, you know, willing to oblige. But, but I'm sorry, Figueroa, you're not the a, you're not the a, a side of this, of this fight. It's it's Brandon Moreno's the a side of this fight. Fight. They got a, they, they got something with him. He's just so damn likable. I, yeah. I just, uh, we were. Uh, at the at the weigh-ins Friday morning, Friday morning there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a long kind of break, and Moreno was doing his interview with uh, I guess he was doing it with with the uh, weigh-in crew, weigh-in crew who were remote DC, Laura Seiko, all, all them I don't know, but you could kind of just hear him talking and just the joy that that guy has. It's like it's so infectious. Like anything mm. he does, anything he does, like. Like he comes off as somebody who you just want to root for, root for. And they've been looking for this Mexican star. They have it in him and they might have it in Yair, Yair. And I was running up a scenario where, where like you could, like, if you want to, I mean, Dallas is the biggest building is one of the biggest buildings in the, the American Airlines center. It's one of the biggest buildings in, uh, you know, for as far as, you know how many people you can put in put into an NBA NHL size size arena. You can you can get twenty thousand people people in there, and not a lot of arenas you can get that. If they were to do Volkanovski, Yair, and uh, Moreno and Figueredo on the same card, and they could probably jack up ticket prices of that, put it in Dallas, and it'll do a massive gate, like like six like, million, like it could do Vegas style kind of gate because because of just. Just how well, you know, Moreno and Yair connect with the Hispanic audience, and how much, how much when you watch it, were and was in that crowd. That crowd was enormous for Brandon Moreno, far more than anybody on the show, far more than Derek Lewis is a Texas boy. Uh, Pena at the Pena during uh, before the show and during the video package, she was getting more of a reaction than Nunez was, but obviously at the end, Nunez was getting gigantic reactions yeah. but nothing came close to brandon moreno and this performance was just absolutely incredible 
and he's the biggest baby face on the UFC ro- roster. And it's just, it's, he's, he's so much fun to, fun to watch. Uh, it, it's just, they got something with him. He's a star. I, I remember like I, I was, uh, when the, you know, the, the whole fight, like, you know, a couple of the guys in the undercard, you know, I think Michael Morales got, you know, got a decent pop and Anthony Smith, they really liked him. Uh, but when Derek Lewis came out, like, I mean, the pop was so much bigger than anything before it. But then, like you said, Brandon Moreno eclipsed that. So I think if you, and it sounds like to me, and I was going to ask you this, like if, if you, hindsight being 2020, if you were rebooking this card, would you put Moreno, Kai Car France on top? I mean, it, uh, <laughs> that's tough because Nunez and Pena, Pena, Hey, it was a real title fight, and true, people, people true. were into it. People were into mm-hmm. it. So it's, I'm just it's saying, like Moreno is. Say, but, I think going forward, like he can headline a going, show now. He can headline show those markets. I said whether it's Phoenix yeah. or it's, I mean, L.A., San Diego, but but especially like, te- like Texas, whether it's Dallas or Houston, because those are the two big buildings. He can headline those shows. It might not do much on pay per view, but it might. Who knows? Yeah. Nobody knows. But like, it doesn't matter, right? But it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't it, matter. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They're, they're they're making they're making the money, and especially if you put a strong number two, strong number two with it, with it, yeah. it might not make a deal, make a deal. But I really think they can have he can have on show, shows in, like I said, Texas, Arizona, Southern Southern California, and you know, I don't know about Vegas. I don't. I'm, Vegas may be a little yeah. too far north, but maybe not. But uh. But yeah, they, and he's he, uh, he's, he's a with James Krause now, right? And it's James Krause's yeah. first first uh, world champion. Yep. yep. Yeah. So that was a good thing for him, and he's one of the guys we've been calling one of the best coaches out there, and and now yeah, he's we'll got get, a world champion. And we'll get more into him later. I got something on him. Okay. Cool. Later. Um, all right. So um, the the next the next fight, uh, not much to say about it other than like Sergey Pavlovich knocked out Derek Lewis, fifty five seconds TKO, uh, kind of a early stoppage. Kind of maybe even a bad stoppage. I, I would take those kindas out and just say, okay, early stoppage, bad stoppage. Yeah, and and even to the point where, like, you know, I've heard some people review it and say, oh, well, he, you know, he was going to finish him like five or ten seconds later. Anyways, I don't know about that because I've seen Derek Lewis take worse beatings than this and come back and win. So I and he was. You know, he was on his way up when the fight was stopped. Yeah. So I, you know, and and Lewis was pissed off. And I, I got to say this about Pavlovich. As great of a baby face as Brandon Moreno was, <laughs> Sergey Pavlovich was a great heel because he was, he was celebrating. He was like cheering, asking for booze and raising his hands. And I, he, you know, and, and then, you know, he was like, yeah, I beat the guy. Like, you know, and he knows he lost or he knows he didn't win, but um, it, it was, uh, he was a great heel. And uh, it's too bad Brandon Moreno was in 265 because, uh, you know, you'd love to see that fight. But uh, he, uh, you know what? He, you know, the, this crowd did not like the Russians. And uh, no, did not. It, no, and they both won, which is kind of good in a way, you know, like, you know, because you kind of you kind of want that heat. And then it just makes <laughs> the heat for the baby face winning later even better. Uh, but yeah, this, so this was, yeah, 55 worst, seconds. And The worst thing about especially Pavlovich getting booed is like 
he did nothing wrong. He was just getting booed for the fact that he, he was from Russia and he was doing nothing wrong. And he was well, no, but after the fight, he was fight, yeah. he was bringing like he was he, he was played cultivating the booze. Yeah, he played yeah. into it. Yeah, he played he into knows. it. He knows yeah. what's going on. He knew the score. Yeah, and uh, Lewis was pissed off. Like I, I almost thought like I, I was worried actually that he was like going to quit. Like not you know quit UFC like just the the look on his face and he was pissed off and and I almost even think Mergliata kind of knew he fucked up <laughs> like you know I think when he watched the replay he's like God damn it <laughs> you know and Mergliata seems like the kind of guy that would probably admit it um, if if he did so uh, hopefully um, maybe they rebook it I don't know um, yeah. there's been some yeah it's, there's been some calls to rebook it and uh, I will say one thing like. You can't face plant in a fight. That's no. gonna that's gonna that that's a bad thing. But some guy excuse me, I had to hiccup real quick. Uh some guys you gotta give the benefit of the doubt. And Derek Lewis is one of those guys you give the benefit of the doubt to and let him give him give him a give him two or three seconds to see what he's doing. And it was very clear when Dan was stepping in the start of that fight that Lewis had his hands on the ground pushing himself up. He was getting up. And yeah, yeah, it was it was bad. It was bad stoppage, stoppage. Would the would the fight outcome be any have been any different? Probably not, given the way the first minute went. But you got to give Derek yeah. the benefit of the doubt. And I would say it, it's easy to say we don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, probably yeah. If you had to put money on it, you would say yeah. You know, but we've also seen Derek Lewis in yep. situations like that. And he just comes out of nowhere and destroys his yeah. opponent. So, and all it takes is one shot from him, like literally one shot. And if if Pavlovich had got in there and, and Lewis is on his way back up, he could have hit him with an uppercut. And then all of a sudden, it's Pavlovich is on his back. You know, like, yeah. um, and and that's the way this fight was going. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I don't think this fight was lasting three, more than three or four minutes either way. But there's no reason to believe that Lewis couldn't have knocked Pavlovich out if if he would have got yeah. to his feet. So. And and I think you rebook it because there's really nothing available for Pavlovich? No. I mean, I mean, the only guy who's not booked, who's ahead of him, would be Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades is not going to take that fight. He's or Stipe. Stipe is not going to take that fight. No. Neither one of those two are going to fight anybody below him. Below right. him. So maybe you give Pavlovich, you know, yep. and Lewis a second go yeah, around. Yeah, just book it the next and time they're in Texas. By God, no, no. By God, take Derek Lewis out of Texas for a little bit. Oh, okay, okay. Well, they can just, they can just headline a fight night with it. Yeah, take it out of Texas for take it out of Texas for now. Like let okay. him. Uh, he needs. I mean, he, he's la- three of his last four fights have been in Texas. They've all been embarrassing losses. Now let him okay. let him get out of there and maybe get his mojo back. The one fight that wasn't there was the Dawkins fight in December, and that was in Vegas and. Look what he did there. So oh, there you go. Yeah, maybe so, less yeah, pressure. Just, just, just yeah, just yeah, less pressure. Something about right. him in Texas lately have just not been clicking. So, so get get him out of that zone for now. All right, we got another flyweight fight. Uh, Alessandra Pantoja and Alex Perez. They came out and they looked like they were going to have the fight of the year for the first. 40 seconds they were just swinging away at each other and then pantoja jumped on his jumped on perez's back and he started working for a choke and he got it he he was like raking his you know he's doing basically across his face for a while and he just he was not gonna let up and and he he got the he got the tap like 90 seconds in and uh pretty exciting 90 second fight 
Um, well, probably half of that. And then the, the other half was him working for the choke. But uh, he looked great. He looked like he was ready to fight, you know, the winner of Moreno and Figueredo. And uh, or, you know, even could have stepped in if something had happened to Kaikar France on the way to the ring. He could have stepped in and fought Moreno. Um, he, you know, clearly wants a title fight and has probably earned it. And he couldn't look better. Yeah, I mean, that's if you're trying to fight to win, uh, to get yourself a title shot, that's about as flawless of a performance as you can get right there. Just going through and running through another top top contender in 91 seconds. So it's just Pantoja. Uh, he's he's great and he deserves the title fight. And we'll see what happens with Marino Figueredo. I'm I'm not sold that Marino Figueredo fight for a fourth time. It's just me right no. now. I'm not. It's, I'm not sold yeah. that it's going to happen because because it just feels like Figueredo does not want that fight. He's trying to do anything he can to like not have that fight. Even well, yeah, like calling for it in Brazil, and then now, you know, now he's got his out. Where if Dana tries to book it somewhere else, he's going to say, "No, no, I said I want it in Brazil," and you know, and and then Dana's going to say he doesn't want to fight, and then he'll just book Pantoja and Moreno for the flyweight title, or maybe even strip him at some point. But, uh, yeah, that seems to be where it's going. Um, and the other main card fight we mentioned earlier, the Russians getting booed, and Meg- Megamed Ankalaev, who, you know, is a pretty likable guy normally, but they, he wasn't getting cheered in Texas. And uh, he beat Anthony Smith, 309 is the second round. Uh, Smith came out for the second round and clearly wasn't, there's something wrong with him. He just, just kept going to the ground, um, you know, and... Uh, Afterwards, he claimed that his uh, he he lost by TKO ground and pound, but he was claiming that his leg was broken, like that's what he said in the cage. But then it turned out later, thank goodness, it's not. But you know, clearly something wrong. Maybe twist uh, his ankle or something. There's the update on that. He did not fracture his leg, but he fractured his ankle. Okay, there you go. So I, I thought it was I thought like I've twisted my ankle before and that's what it looked like to me. Um and yeah. he fractured his ankle is even worse than fractures, what happened to me. Yeah. Fractured his ankle. That, yeah. That just came out. That came out probably about thirty minutes before we started recording. And that explains why he was able to kind of walk to the back with assistance because he didn't have to yeah. put much pressure on his ankle, but he wouldn't be able to do that with a broken leg. No. Um so yeah, so he lost. Uh Ankaliev won. Ankaliev's eighteen and one and, and of course that one loss was to Paul Craig in the last second of a fight that he was probably up th- he was going to win he's like 30 26 and uh and then like he's 9 and 0 like since then so um like nobody's talking about this guy for a title shot but i mean he's probably pretty close to a title shot right now at 205 like you know Good. you could easily put him against Prashaska or i mean sorry um um Blahovich, and then you know the winner maybe gets Prashaska. Like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the way to go. But Uncle Live, he's kind of a lot like Islam, where uh, nobody wants to fight him. No, no, not not in that sense. Not in that sense. Okay, Islam in the sense that they have impressive win streaks, but they're they're not exciting. Well, I mean just, the Kudal- Kudalaba fights the. The uh, uh, Dolce Lonaimbula, uh, and then you say that, and then I'll give you the Tiago Santos fight. True, that, I mean that fight. that killed him. That was that was awful. Yeah, and that, I mean that set him back. I mean, honestly, that would have been worse than just getting knocked out, like the, yeah, <laughs> in that, a way, you know. The the Vulcan Ozdemir fight wasn't all that exciting. The no, Kita Krylov fight was not all exciting. He hasn't had, he's had a, coming into this fight. He had a string of three straight decisions, 
and nothing. I mean, impressive wins, but nothing that makes you want to clamor to see him fighting for a title as a as a fan. Fan. No, but so but that's... now when you but I gotta say when you when when you beat Anthony Smith in the second round, who's not a tough who's a tough guy to finish, and now you now you look and you see he's got nine straight wins. I mean, it's kind of hard to ignore that. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, the, unfortunately he's gonna have to fight 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 again more than likely because we're going with we're going with Yuri and Glover too, and Dana he even this is Dana. Uh, again, again talking UFC 277 post-fight press conference. He was talking about Yair, which we'll get into. It. But Dana is not a fan of guys waiting for title fights, okay. and he would much rather see see guys keep fighting if the champion's out or if a champion's booked. Booked. So Akalayev, unfortunately, he's going to have to fight again, probably, probably. And if he and the right fight to make is him and Blakovich. And if he finishes Blakovich, then then he, you've there's no question, no question. Then all right, uh, okay. So who are your three stars? Uh, number one, uh, number one is Brandon Marino, of course. <laughs> is, yeah. And number and number two is Alexander Pantelia. Pantelia. Yeah. But uh, number three, I'm going to go with Drew Dober. That's a good pick. That fight with Rafael Alves. Was it was really fun, and Alves was cracking us up on media row that moment when he got when it looked like he got poked in the eye, and a doctor came to check on him, and he was you know he said he that he's good, and he gave the doc the doctor a hug, and then gave him a motion to get out of the octagon, and everybody was just going crazy during that, and then Dober Dober kind of rocked him a little bit, or made you think that he was rocked rocked. And then Alvis started doing a little dance. So Alvis, you know, he was pretty impressive. He looked good, but Dober, that liver punch, just uh, oh. absolutely brutal. And Alvis dropped, did that delayed drop, and it was it was a brutal finish. And Drew Dober is really good and one of the more underrated guys at lightweight. And he'd be he would be on on a decent run if he hadn't had fought Islam. Because he's won five out of his last seven with the loss to Islam, and then he lost to Brad Riddell in an incredible fight. But yeah, Drew Dober, man, that was impressive. You know, at some point, he's going to have to fight. I should say the other way around. Patty Pimblet is going to have to get through Drew Dober at some point, and I don't know if he's going to be able to. <laughs> That's going to be the test, you know. Um, I think. Oh, uh, if you put, if you not right now, next, no, no, no. I'm saying like a year no, from now. No. Yeah, a year from now. Like at some point, he has to get a fighter like that, yeah. and uh, and if he can't beat that guy, then he's he's not a future champion. So, I'm, um, uh, Drew Dober. Uh, speaking of Dober, who he's won the fight, he mentioned two names. One was Bobby Green which yeah. would be interesting. But the second name, and I don't disagree with this, and I could actually see this fight being made, Dober against uh, Jim Miller. Oh, there you go. What, uh, MSG? So, yeah. Somebody else uh, Somebody else call, had a call out, and I thought it was 155. Um, was it close? I was like, somebody asked for Ferguson. I think it was close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack are close call for yeah. Ferguson and I think yeah. they were supposed to fight before there's something there something yeah. there and they want to fight so he wants to fight yeah him. all right my three stars I, I mean I I can't even argue with yours but uh I'll just pick three different ones Michael Morales uh third round uh, t- uh 
KO uh, to over Adam Fugit. This was a really good fight, uh, I thought, and Morales looked great and cut a really nice promo after. He's 14 and 0 now. Um, he's uh, where's he from? Spain, um, or something like that? Or yeah. Ecuador, Ecuador. Sorry. Ecuador. Yeah, um, and yeah, I just noticed the flag was different in on the thing I'm looking for. My second star is uh, going to be uh, Nikolai Negamuranu, uh, second round TKO, standing TKO over Ihor Potieria. <laughs> oh, God, I got to work on these names. Um, uh, looked looked again, looked really good, uh, and uh, he's he's a guy from Romania. It's his fourth straight win, um, and uh, he's a guy to look out for. Uh, big. Uh, Big, big, big win for him. And then my third star, I got to go with Hamdi the Hammer. Uh, even though uh, he kind of gassed out a little bit, uh, he won a split decision over Dontel Mays. Uh, you know, this is only his fourth professional fight. They kept saying he'd had five fights previously, but I'm looking at his record as 4-0 right now. So whether it's four or six, I don't know. But he only turned pro like this year, and he's already got a win in the UFC. And he cut a pretty – so the crowd was booing him. At, before he started talking, and by the time he was finished, they were cheering him. So this guy's a baby face and just massive. Like, this guy was built for KSW. Like, I don't know how he's not fighting in KSW. Like, he should be fighting Marius uh, Pudinowski or whatever, how you pronounce that guy's name. Um, but uh, he's here in UFC, uh, first Egyptian fighter and first Egyptian to get a win in the octagon. And uh, he's a guy that I'm going to be real interested in for a while till he loses. Uh, so, yeah, those are my three stars. Uh, Morales, Nigmaranu, and uh, Hamdi the Hammer. Um, okay. So take us yeah, take us through these prelims. Okay. It uh, started with a what, with what ended up being a catchweight fight because Orion Koske missed weight by a pound and a half. But he defeated Blood Diamond, unanimous decision, 29-28, across the board. Not much to talk about on this fight. Uh, Blood Diamond, I'm pretty sure I have bad, better grab. I'm positive I have better grappling than he does. And Paul, I don't think you've ever trained, but you probably have better grappling than he does. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I think I do. And and I've also got uh, yeah, like forty pounds on him, so I think yeah, I could take him down. But uh, but yeah, but uh, yeah, but it was just yeah, Coast won. <laughs> Not much to write home about. And he apologized he had, after for missing weight. I thought was classy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, then you had Negromanu fishing Ihor Patera in the second round. Second round, good showing for Negromanu. Then we had another fight where a fighter missed weight and won. Jocelyn Edwards split decision over GU on Kim. Uh, split it was decision. Not split decision. <laughs> yeah, I had it 29-28 Edwards. There's a 29-28 scorecard for each and then a 30-27 for Edwards. I do think it was a clear 29-28 for Edwards. But uh, yeah, it was... It was okay. Uh, Edwards was better on the feet, which was a difference. Um, then you had closing out the early prelims, uh, Michael Morales finishing Adam Fugit in the third round. Then uh, the main prelims, he started off a uh, Drekar close unanimous decision over Rafa Garcia in a close fight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> get it? <laughs> what? Oh, it wasn't close. Oh, Drakkar close, won a close fight, yeah. You know, and and, uh, Rogan even did that in in the post-fight interview, and I think it went completely over Drakkar's head. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was close one, but I mean, but it was 29-28, so you could call it a close fight. Close fight, uh, yeah. It was good. Close win. Close win for Drakkar. Close win for Drakkar. It was was good, though. (laughs) Then you had a Hamdi the Hammer split decision over Dontel Mays. 
Then you had Dober over Alves. I talked about. I, I don't know about a split decision <laughs> on that one either. Like, there's a couple of these cards that were, you know, I mean, it's Texas. Luckily, no bad decisions, but that was a bad okay. card. Here, I got an interesting story about the Texas judging and all, okay. and all that, which I'll share after, after, especially when it comes to prelims. And then uh, close out the prelims, uh, Alex Morono, unanimous decision over Matthew Simmelsberger, 29-28 twice, and then 30-27. Morono won the first two rounds for sure. Simmelsberger's uh, eye was closed pretty much completely. Doctors checked him on him twice. They let him go on. And then he comes out to start the third round and hits a flying knee that drops Morono. Tried to finish, but he couldn't finish Morono. But he won the third round, but it wasn't enough because Morono won the first two. I don't know how somebody gave Morono the third, but that was it. So that ends the prelims. Then we went over the main card, Ankalaev over Smith, Pantoja over Perez, Pavlovich over Lewis, Moreno over Car France, and Nunez over Pena. <laughs> okay. So uh, so tell your judging story in a second. I just want to say there was uh, four performance bonuses, so no extra ones, just uh, 50 grand for Dober, 50 grand for Pantoja, and 50 grand for Moreno and Kai Car France for the best fight, which is not hard to argue. Uh, but you could have made a case for Nunez Pena as the best fight, honestly. But um, and uh, four point four five million dollar gate, nineteen thousand four hundred forty two fans at the American Airlines Center, and that did. Uh, we've talked whether or not this was going to actually sell out, and it did. So the consecutive sellout streak is still alive. And uh, is your your judging story? Is it going to be about the fact that Seth Fuller has never judged an MMA fight in his life, and he was judging on a UFC show here? No. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, real, real, yeah, you kind of broke up there for a second, but real quick on the attendance, the nineteen thousand four forty-two. That was the most most for a show headlined by a female fight in a, in the U.S. Because obviously you had Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey in the stadium in Australia, but this was the most head by headlined by a female female fight in the U.S. And it's the second biggest gate for a female headlined fight card. So the, that's uh, what I said so. it was going to be. And then you told me it was going to be third, but I guess they sold a lot of tickets in the last couple of weeks. They, yeah. They sold it. It got there. So, but uh, anyway, on the judging thing, Texas did something interesting where all the prelims were judged by people who hadn't done UFC shows pri- previously Okay, to, to get these guys to get some of these, you know, judges that they some experience on a bigger show. The main card, the main card was was uh, judged by regulars. You know, Sal Diamato, Jacob Montalvo, Douglas Crosby. All the main card fights fights were regulars, and but the but the prelims were you know a lot of tech mostly guys. Judges. Steve Armstrong has judged UFC before, but has, uh, uh, not in a while. Not in, not in over four years. Yeah, I didn't. So, I didn't check. I didn't check anybody. Check everybody okay. out, but it was. But Fuller, mostly- Seth, Seth Fuller has never judged a never judged an MMA fight, uh, according to MMA decisions. They don't. Yeah, except MMA decisions doesn't doesn't track like local and regional promotions. No. So, but, but I mean, never um, like never even Bellator, PFL, yeah. LFA. Um, you know, like so he's pretty inexperienced, and he was one. Yeah. He was the guy that scored that fight for Dontel Mays. Which yeah, 
questionable. Uh, uh, let me see. I don't even remember what I had that fight, but I think, but I think doing that was actually a really good idea. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, it also I takes don't... away the uh, the likelihood of of a main card fight getting screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the maze fight. I thought the maze and handy. I thought was close. So I'll put instead yeah. of my notes that I had it was close fight. You you know, judges aren't perfect, and the only way some of these guys are gonna figure it out sometimes is to get them experience on the on these big shows and i don't really think yeah maybe that one scorecard was questionable maybe there was a questionable scorecard in the edwards kim fight but i don't think anything was bad i think there was no no and, and any, again at least any, we didn't have judges just... say like hey you fucked up and you had a bad scorecard like like you know like there has been in moments in texas texas where you could clearly point out a judge and say yeah that was horrible so and and again, and, and at least you didn't have uh you didn't have a situation where the wrong guy won. So yeah, that that, that was good. That um, okay, so that that was UFC two seventy seven. Now, now real, oh. real quick, now real yep. quick, if any other states want to do this, I think a great idea would probably be take your you know inexperienced judge. Like there's a one of the judges on this on this card I know and and our mutual friend Carla knows his name is Aaron Menard. This is the first time. He judges the UFC, putting a guy like that again with like a with like judges who are experienced, experienced, you know, kind of like have a mixture of the two. I think going forward might be a good idea, even if it's on the yeah. prelims, even if it's on on the main card, you know, just just but but the only way we're going to get new judges and better judging is giving other guys chances. And I really wish that 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 there would be more than one ABC conference a year, and I really wish it wouldn't be in. Niagara Falls that it'd be in a better location because I would love to go take take the actual ABC judging and, and refing courses yeah. courses except that they always have it on a bad weekend in Niagara Falls put it somewhere put it I really think that should be something that's like on a that coincides with like a big UFC weekend weekend I should you know? uh I mean I should be the Winnipeg representative instead of Jaron Vallel um <laughs> you know um yeah and, and even when they do local shows here like i don't even yeah. know i think they bring in guys from somewhere else so they should you know they should do something here and then you know we can yeah. get i'm not saying i'd actually probably wouldn't even do it but there's got to be better people in jail I, mean, I would do it <laughs> yeah well i i would if i was single um it, it'd be too hard for me to get to these shows um you know with, with my family with your situation but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So we, we got uh, PFL coming up this week. They're back uh, Friday on ESPN. They're, they're on the main network, and they've actually got a big fight headlining the show, uh, relatively speaking. Anthony Pettis, um, in, in, they're in their playoffs. So uh, Anthony Pettis is fighting Stevie Ray. I guess this is the uh, semifinals. And uh, they've also got Omar Akhmedov, a big name, former UFC fighter, uh, fighting undefeated Josh Silvera in, at light heavyweight. Olivier Aubin Mercier, uh, another former UFC fighter, uh, fighting Alex Martinez, and uh, Olivier's got a little experience uh, with the MMA tournaments. He he was in uh, finalist in uh, Tough, I believe, one year. And Rob Wilkinson, a uh, name I haven't heard in a long time, uh, in including I'm not even sure I remember him from this season. But no, yeah, I know he got said uh, he had a KO in the first round. He only fought once. That's what it was. He made it to the playoffs, even though he only fought once. And, uh, yeah, he's fighting Alex Martinez. Or, sorry, Delon Monte. I was looking at the wrong fight there. So, um, yeah, that's going to be uh, Friday on ESPN in front of uh, literally hundreds of people, I'm sure, on watching. Uh, and they're at the Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden, which is kind of a cool venue. 
So, yeah. and uh, Pettis and Pettis and Ray, they just fought June 24th. So it's a rematch, rematch, quick turnaround. Uh, Ray won that fight with the modified twister. So Pettis yeah. gets his chance to uh, get revenge and make it to the finals. He made the playoffs this year after disappointing debut year with PFL last year. He's lost three of his four PFL fights, and he could be in the uh, finals of a million dollar tournament by beating a guy that just beat him uh, six, six, like two, whatever it was, a month ago. Um, I mean, six there's weeks been, ago. <laughs> there's been, there's been some changes to these playoffs where, yeah, I think like two, like in two of the weight classes, the the top seed has already fallen out due to injury or some issues. Yeah, so, well, I, I told you. I think that I, I, I don't know. This, I haven't looked, but. I, I I gotta think that that dude Ray Cooper that they said was out is probably gonna win again, but um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean this it's is a, a it's a, it's a shit it's show. a good idea. It's a good idea, but it fails in execution. Well, it's hard. I mean, to do hard. one of these tournaments yeah, in yeah. not to do one to do six tournaments in a year. I mean, Bellator has a hard enough time doing one, uh, and they yeah. usually last longer than a year. So and you're they're trying to. And you're hoping these guys fight four times in a year, which is hard, which is hard yeah. too. So not even in a year because they started in March. Yeah, and they're March gonna finish December, in October. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, they're finishing in October. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're trying to get the guys to fight four four times in eight months. That's this is that's like tough. the old the old Bellator tournaments yeah. uh that they used to do on Spike when they would do like the mini tournaments for a title shot. And uh, you know, but they would even then they would only do one at a time. So, or maybe two, I think they would have two at yeah. a time. And then, you know, you would fight to where like two months down the road, the winner would get a title shot. So anyways, that is back on ESPN on uh, Saturday, on Friday. And right. then of course the next night on uh, ESPN, it will be UFC fight night, uh, Santos versus Hill. This will be a, a later show, right? It's uh, the prelims are at, si- are at seven Eastern and then the main card at 10. Is that That's correct? Yeah. And this is at back, back of the apex are the bane of our existence. And uh, this is the, uh, the the tough finals and as well as uh, Tiago Santos and Jamal Hill in the uh, main event, light heavyweight uh, contenders, uh, both top 10 guys. Uh, it's the biggest fight in the career of Jamal Hill. Tiago Santos is trying to get back into title contention. It's a big fight and a real big uh, welterweight fight in the co-main event as, as well. Um, it's a pretty good card, actually. We... You know, I kind of shit on these cards a lot of weeks, but th- this is solid. This one, it's it's solid, solid. <laughs> Excuse me, solid. Yeah, top two fights are good, and the uh, both finals fights are interesting. Interesting. I think they have a shot with Juliana Miller at being a star, and and uh, of course, Mohammed Usman, Kamara's brother, brother. If he if he wins, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a name. Everybody watches just because of Kam- the Kamara thing. But Zach Pogba. He's he's got a good record and a good story. So, so yeah, some interesting fights on you know in the finals. Muhammad is actually a pretty decent sized underdog, which surprised me. Um, yeah, Zach Paga. I guess uh, people have been watching the fight because honestly, he's looked like he's looked every bit of I think what they probably wanted Muhammad to be. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he got a knockout in his last fight, but you know he's you know he's five and zero, oh, and four of those fights. Are four of those wins are by decision, and w- when guys are winning by when heavyweights are winning by decision on the regional scene, um, it doesn't really bode too well for I their think, UFC success. I think a lot of his regional fights have been at light heavyweight because he mainly fights okay. to light heavyweight. So you think maybe he's going to drop down when he when he? If yeah, he he'll probably. 
I think it, uh, regardless, because he'll because you, generally the person who loses in the finals gets at least one other fight. Okay. Fight, so so I expect him to. Yeah, to you're right. Actually, here. I looked it up. I looked it up, and he's uh, he's he's yeah, he's mainly he's always been fighting at light heavyweight, and uh, it's actually like the fighters that he's been fighting. Like normally, you you look at their their indie records or their regional records, and they're you know they're against guys that are like losing records, and every fighter that he's fought has had a winning record, yeah. and uh, and in fact, the last fight he had before UFC was against Marcus Perez, yeah, yeah. who is a former UFC fighter. So, um, and, and, he, and generally, guys on on the Ultimate Fighter show are fighting up a weight class because because yeah. it's because you're going to have to cut weight three times in six weeks. So, so a guy who's normally fights at welterweight who balloons up to 195 in between fights, he really can't do that. So yeah. So they're so going, fighting. they're going middleweight if they're on ultimate. Fight. Yeah. Yeah. And Usman is a real heavyweight. So, you know, that yeah. could play into it. That could play into it as well. Yeah. Like, and, and again, it's why it kind of surprises me that, that he is an underdog. So, um, but uh, yeah, the main event, uh, tell us about, uh, about Santos and Hill. Santos, uh, I mean, he hasn't looked the same since he since the knee injury in the John Jones fight. Fight, he's still he still seems gun shy on the feet, and he's lost. You know, if you include the Jones fight, he's lost four of the last five, but he's lost three, three of the four coming back. I mean, granted, it excuse me, granted the losses came to Glover Teixeira, Alexander Rakic, and Magomed Ankalaev, but uh. But yeah, and he's been gone the distance the last three fights, and they haven't necessarily been all all uh, exciting. But Jamal Hill is an exciting fighter who looks to finish and looks to finish as quickly as possible. And this could be an explosive fight fight because the thing about Santos is he's been fighting patiently lately. But if you bring the fight to him, he's gonna he can still throw down. His recent opponents have been fighting tentatively, and Jamal Hill's not going to fight tentatively. Jamal Hill's going to pressure and bring the fight, fight forward. So I actually do think this will be a lot more exciting than Santos's recent fights and probably a pretty exciting fight overall. And I say that now and watch it be the worst <laughs> fight of Jamal Hill's career. So, Well, I mean, if if it goes to a decision, it would be the first time that happened in UFC or no, I guess his debut went to a decision, but um, he, uh, his last five fights uh, have been all early finishes and the one loss that he had to Paul Craig. I mean, he was winning that fight and then he just got caught, you know, uh, he got caught in his arm and his arm went out of socket and was, was dangling. If you remember that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. But he was, I mean, he, you know, he was winning and this is just like Paul Craig. He's like, he pulls submissions out of his ass and uh, you know, and and in this case he pulled uh, (laughs) Jamal Hill's arm out of his socket to get the submission. But I mean, he followed that up with two first round knockouts over, you know, pretty big names at at light heavyweight, uh, Johnny Walker and Jimmy Crute. So um, that's uh, yeah, that's, that's a big fight. And then of course in the, in the co-main Vincent Luque and uh, Jeff Neal, you know, is, is a pretty big welterweight fight. Um, but uh, you know, I guess I don't want to spoil like your three fights to watch out for. So I, I assume that would have been one of them. Yeah, that was, that was number one, Luque and Jeff Neal, a uh, big fight for both guys. Luque, Luque was on the cusp of a title fight and then he lost to Bilal Muhammad in his last, last fight. So this is a big fight to, to see if he's going to be a contender or a gatekeeper. And Jeff Neal is a guy who I hyped up a lot 
and uh, he was looking really good. And then he had that huge bout with sepsis that kept him in the hospital for for some time. And he, uh, it seemed like it's taken him a while to fully recover from that. He came back, lost the decision to Stephen Thompson, lost the decision to Neil Magny, which I mean, those are quality fighters. Those are top level welterweights. And then, but then uh, Neil bounced back, split decision win over Santiago Ponzinibbio in his last fight. He looked, he looked as good as he did, but pre sepsis, all that and all that. So uh, if he look, if he beats Luque, he's back there in that, in that role of, hey, this is a guy at welterweight we need to watch out for as being a, you know, possible future contender. So it's really a bit, uh, it's really a crossroads fight for both both in my opinion, because the winner is going to keep themselves in that mix and the losers just probably never going to get in that title picture. So big, important fight for both. My second fight to watch uh, is a lightweight fight. Terrence McKinney and Eric Gonzalez. Yep. Uh, I love Terrence McKinney. He's uh, He's got a personality and he's got skills. He's coming off a loss to Drew Dober, a fight that he took two weeks after scoring an impressive win. And it was a probably, and it was a really bad idea to fight Drew Dober with basically no preparation, because Drew, yeah. when we talked about Drew Dober, just you yeah. know, just having an incredible performance just now, he Drew Dober's tough. But uh, I think McKinney bounces back, and this is a great fight for him to bounce back. Eric Gonzalez is a guy he he should beat. So, uh, and my third fight, you, you might it might pain you to hear this, it's going to be Sam Alvey against Michael Stachuk, oh, but I'm just totally oh. saying this because this is very likely with a loss this is the last time we will see sam alvey if he wins how many times have we said that no this is for sure this is the last fight on his contract if he loses, and they gave it to him they they talked about cutting him after the last time but they said you know what sam even though you haven't won in your last eight fights you've always done us so many favors you've always been willing to fight on short notice against anybody we're going to give you that last fight in your contract Contract. I think if he loses, he's done for sure. And if he wins, who the hell knows? We may see him again. See him again. But this might be the last time we see him, man. And yes, his fights can be boring, boring at times. When he wins, he tends to win in an exciting fashion. He tends to have fun post fight promos. And uh, you know, maybe that'll happen this time. I I you know, as much as Sam Alvey can bore you in a fight, I've always liked him. I get I get frustrated watching him fight, but uh, but yeah, he it's kind of like he's kind of one of those guys where he's not a big name, and it'd be different than you know with than like how I felt after you know Cerrone is gone or Carlos Condit was gone or Benavides is gone. But it'd be sad to see Sam Alvey go. Hey, soul sister, we'll get to see <laughs> hear that one more time. One more time, one more time. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it and getting to see his hot wife. That's cool too. Um, okay, you so said for it, me, not me. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, all right, so for my three uh, value picks, if you, if you're betting, uh, I got to go with um, Myra Buena Silva in the opener. She's only a minus one forty favorite uh, in it, so that's you know almost even money. And she looked really really good in her last fight against Wu Yunnan, and I kind of expect her to be a bigger favorite here. Um, next one's going to be Takasha Sato, who is a plus 190 underdog over Brian Battle. And Battle is the uh, last season's tough winner. 
and uh, I, I, he's moving down to welterweight for this fight, and I just, I, I don't think he's that great of a fighter, and I think he's, you know, he looked, you know, he beat Trishan Gore barely, and Trishan Gore is not, you know, even uh, not even close to a UFC quality fighter, so I think Takashi Sato is going to finish battle here, and uh, and then my uh, my third value pick is going to be actually uh, Muhammad Usman. Um, against Zach Paga again, I mentioned uh, uh, Mo- Kamaro's brother is a plus two hundred underdog, and uh, you know I think the size is going to be a is going to be a factor here. Like you mentioned, that Paga is normally at light heavyweight, and Muhammad's quite a bit bigger. He's fought a lot better competition, and uh, I think I think he's going to win, and he's going to be the uh, tough thirty heavyweight champion. So, uh, Muhammad Usman, Takasha Sato, and Myra Boyna Silva. And if you listen to my story at the beginning of the show, you probably just want to go ahead and pick the other three fighters <laughs> given my track record um all right so take us through the rest of this card he, he just had a bad week last week but your ROI has been pretty pretty decent and pretty spot on lately so yeah yeah they have and i've been actually tweeting them out like when i when i get to watch live i've been tweeting them out for the fight so if you want to get some you last know, minute bets in follow me on twitter you know what your mistake last week was you didn't have them ready for the show last week true so. True. So yeah, that was- I did do them after the fact, though, and they were wrong. But that's the first week uh, since I started doing this that I lost money. So it happens. So it happens. So, so that's a, that's your clue. Have it ready for the show, and you'll do good. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay, so, so take uh, us through these uh, card. This card. Everything. Everything's going to be on ES- on Big ESPN and also on ESPN Plus for those who who have cut the cord. But uh, starts at seven Eastern time. Uh, kicks off women's bantamweight fight Myra Bueno Silva against Stephanie Agger. Then a women's strawweight fight Miranda Granger against Corey McKenna. Then you have welterweight fight Jason Witt against Josh Quinlan, who's making his UFC debut. Lightweight fight Terrence McKinney against Eric Gonzalez. Welterweight fight Takashi Sato against Brian Battle, former tough winner. And then the featured prelim is the middleweight fight Sam Alvey against Michael Oleg Sechuk. And then main card, uh, 10 Eastern time. Six on the or seven on the west coast, nine in the best time zone. Uh, women's flyweight fight kicks it off. Uh, Ariane Lipsky against Priscilla Cachoeira. I mean, <laughs> me and you are both surprised Cachoeira is still around, but she's won, I think, her last two fights. So, despite fish eye gouging and cheating and all that, she she gets to find another, she keeps on fighting, but uh, maybe Lipsky will end that. Then you have the heavyweight fight, Augusto Sakai against Sergey Spivak. Uh, Sakai is in need of a win, but Spivak is coming off of sending Greg Hardy out of the UFC. So everybody likes Sergey Spivak. <laughs> then you have the uh, the two uh, Ultimate Fighter finals. The first one, the women's flyweight fight, Brogan Walker against Juliana Miller. Then the heavyweight, Zach Pogla against Mohamed Usman. Then you have the welterweight co-main, Vicente Luque against Jeff Neal. Then the light heavyweight main event, Tiago Santos against Jamal Hill. I would urge you all, if uh, if you miss this show and if you hear that Juliana, the killer Miller, won the championship, go and check out her post-fight promo. I guarantee it's going to be worth worth watching. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of hers and I'm rooting for her. Uh, and you mentioned earlier that uh, that they think they maybe have a star in their hands and we'll see. We'll see if she can win. Um, all right, so that is the UFC fight night uh, from the Apex on Saturday. I don't even. I'm going to be actually in Minneapolis uh, watching the Jays game, so I'm I'm going to. I hope I'm going to have time to watch this before we meet again. Um, but uh, probably maybe when I get back from the hotel, I'll at least watch the main card. 
Um, hey, but, you could uh, probably borrow somebody's ESPN Plus account. While you're, oh, there you while go. You're in, while you're in America, there you go. <laughs> you Maybe check I'll, out uh, ESPN Plus. You. Maybe yeah. you can check out ESPN Plus and see how see how easy we have it to watch. <laughs> well, I get I'll get back to the hotel probably around ten. So um, you know, but but I'm usually up pretty late when I stay in a hotel. So I could I could throw yeah. the headphones on and watch the main yeah. the main card for sure. Main card. Um, oh yeah, you'll and you'll have ESPN in your hotel room for sure. So. Yeah, yeah, but the family's sleeping, so I got probably have to watch on my computer. Um, yeah, but uh, I might I might message you for your ESPN Plus credentials. Uh, so yeah, I'll, uh, I'll 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 figure it out. But yeah, we're we're just going down for the weekend, and I got uh, I got tickets right behind the dugout to see the Jays playing play the Twins in Minneapolis. So I'm pretty nice, pumped up about nice, that. Nice. I I have something big going on this week. I'll tell you about off there too. So. Oh, cool, cool. All right. So uh, we got uh, the news, and there's not much, um, but uh, you, um, you you just uh, – Yair Rodriguez, you've been wanting to talk about this the whole show. Yeah. Well, Yair, uh, he was he was at the show on Saturday, as was Alexander Volkanovsky. I talked to Volkanovsky a little bit fri- Friday. We were sitting right next – actually right next to each other at the ceremonial weigh-ins. His hand – his left hand still casted up from his surgery. surgery. He says it's healing good, probably be ready to go early next year. Next year is what he told told me, but uh, Yair Rodriguez said uh, he wants to wait for Volkanovski. He doesn't want to fight Josh Emmett. He wants to wait for a title Jeez. fight. But uh, that kind of what brought Dana on, saying, "Hey, you know how I feel about waiting." And he he basically said he doesn't agree with Yair wanting to wait. So so who knows what's going to happen there? Jeez. Um... And uh, all right, and then the other news. This I didn't even know. Um, you, uh, Alemale McFarlane is going to be retiring after her Bellator contract is done. Okay, so I, I, I thought you were saying after her next fight, but do you yeah. know how many fights she has left? I think it's four, but she okay. says whenever. Yeah, she kind of announced that to the, today. Uh, she said, uh, she said whenever her current Bellator contract's done, she's going to retire, and uh, that brings me up to another retirement. Retirement that was uh, announced on Errol Hawani's MMA Hour today. Guy we talked about earlier, who's coaching now, James Krause. He officially said he's oh. done fighting. So okay, so he's he's going full time into coaching. He actually said he's he's now making more money gambling on UFC fights than he than he's making anywhere else. Even that includes <laughs> by coaching. So these uh these these ten thousand dollar bets and these fifty thousand dollar bets, you know what? I gotta say, like you just he's watch. On, he's on that gambling show with Brad Okamoto and oh. uh, and uh, Nick Kalikas, I think, or yeah, Johnny yeah. the Creek, yeah, yeah, whatever. They they have that show on ESPN Plus. They were they were hardcore talking about gambling on this show on Saturday, and and I haven't noticed it as much as I have this time. But like they, you know, they, you know, Daniel Cormier was making jokes about you know people dropping two million dollars on the last Nunez fight and and all this stuff, and and it just kind of hit me, you know, that I grew up in an era where you know like Jimmy the Greek got fired for mentioning the spread on a pregame show yeah. and uh, you know, and, and now they're, you know, literally talking about the, the live odds during a fight. And uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. And sports uh, betting is getting big. Did you see, did you see on the London show, Drake, Drake bet like a $2 million parlay yep. on, on Patty and Molly. <laughs> yeah. And he won. Him, it worked and, out. <laughs> and it paid like, you know, it, it paid better than even money. Um, yeah. you know, Molly was a huge favorite, but Patty was, you know, pretty close. I think he was like minus one ninety or something like that. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean two million dollars and I mean that's a good bet. 
you yeah. know and if you got two million dollars that's the thing you got to remember like when you see these big these big bets like you know somebody they'll, they'll flash it up on the screen oh a big wager just came in you know fifty thousand dollars and this is what they were talking about like um i think it was paul felder was saying like you know you have these prelim fights where anything can happen and you have these judges in texas where you know they could score a fight wrong and you're betting like you're betting more money than the fighters are making on these fights like it's it's crazy and then you, know, you said you got a high profile coach making more money and you got to think like with him like knowing the fighters the way he does and knowing the tendencies and everything like he's got a built-in advantage on these on this betting so good for him um you know listen to his bets and not mine um but uh yeah so that was uh you know pretty uh like it's tough about layman Lane mcfarland back to her because i mean you know she could have been like a, a huge superstar and between fighting in bellator and then you know like uh, unfortunately losing uh you know that big fight to juliana velasquez in in 2020 and then again you know her last fight um it's you know she kind of and then now she's talking about retiring like you got to you kind of almost don't even want to watch the rest of her fights um, because, you know, she's got one foot out the door and uh, it's, it's too bad because she could have been, you know, a really big, uh, really big deal. And as it turns out, she's just, you know, kind of another fighter on the regional scene. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's too bad. Um, all right. Uh, fight announcements. There, there's, there's a few here. Uh, what are the ones, some of the ones you want to highlight? And you said you had a couple that weren't on the list you sent me. Yeah, that, that have been added since I emailed you this afternoon. But uh, here's two on the UFC 279 card on September 10th. Uh, that's headlined by Kamzad and, D- and Nate Diaz. Here's two fights I think you'll be interested in. Oh, yeah. First one, heavyweight fight. Chris Barnett against Jake Collier. Huggy Bear and, uh, against uh, uh, the, everyone's favorite middleweight. <laughs> yeah. And then you have the featherweight fight. Hakeem Dawadu against Juicy J, Julian Arosa. So. Juicy J. And Hakeem, isn't he Canadian? Yeah. Like, how am I going to choose here? Like, either one of these fights. Like, I'm, I am I might have to just yeah. not watch. Like, yeah. that's – they're killing me. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we talked earlier on Contender Series, Joe Pfeiffer, B. Joe Pfeiffer. He's already got his uh, debut fight booked uh, September 17th against Alan Amedovsky. And uh, then on a UFC fight night, uh, October 15th, Cub Swanson moving down to Bantamweight, fighting Jonathan Martinez. That's a – that's a good matchup. Uh, UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi. It's got a middleweight fight, Mahmoud Muradov against Kyle Borallo. And then also just announced that it's not on the list you got, Mohamed Mokayev, the the impressive flyweight. He's fighting Malcolm Gordon. And then uh, October 29th, UFC Fight Night, big featherweight fight. Edson Barboza against Ilya Tapuria. That should be all action. And then heavyweight fight, Marcos Rosario de Lima against Andre Arlovsky, who will be looking to tie Jim Miller <laughs> again for the uh, most wins in UFC history. So there's there's your big fight announcement. When's the Arlovsky fight? The 29th? O- October 29th. Okay. Okay. Um, the, back to the fight, Pfeiffer fight. Um, Alan Abadovsky, that's a setup fight. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a fight to get him a big knockout win in his UFC debut. Yeah. I think um, I, I think is like 0 3. And I think. I yeah. think whenever I'm still doing my columns and stuff, which I'm hope, still hoping I can start doing again soon, but uh, I think I said after that fight, yeah, Emadovsky should be cut because he's not fit for the UFC. But good thing they kept him around to get Joe Pye for a big win. Yeah, so. and uh, this is a guy that they're clearly behind. Yes, um, you know, like you don't see guys coming off the contender series sitting in like the featured fighter section on a pay per view. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. he's a he's a Philly 
guy with the uh, trains with Sean Brady and all those all those guys in Philly, the Dawkins brothers. So so they're very clearly trying to build up something there, something there with. Was a lot he of those the guy? Guys. Did he tell? Did he say in his post fight promo that he caught Sean Brady with a flying triangle and then said, "No, I'm just kidding." Yeah, he said that. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, that's yeah. But he He's talked a... about he talked about Sean Brady, how Sean Brady is just an absolute killer in yeah in the gym. So yeah, so yeah. And, uh, Felder Felder's always going to put put the Philly guys over on on commentary too. So because he's that's... from Philly and he, and he trades with those guys when he's in Philly. So. Yeah. yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'll be, uh, I'll be looking forward to that. And that's, uh, we don't even know where that show is yet, right? But uh, it's uh, the September seventeenth, right? Yeah, the that's the Corey Sanhagen song you dong fight card. Yeah, might be uh, the apex. It, it is at the apex. Oh, it is. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's gonna. That's pretty much gonna do it. Um. So if you haven't already, uh, make sure to check out Ryan's coverage of uh the UFC uh from last week. I haven't got to it yet because today was a holiday here in Canada, so uh, I haven't printed off my Wrestling Observer, but I'll be reading that tomorrow. And uh, and then you can also uh, follow Ryan's coverage of. Uh, you can get check out his UFC 277 coverage in this coming week's Observer, as well as following his live coverage of uh, the UFC Fight Night at WrestlingObserver.com. And you can follow us both on Twitter and get our thoughts on the fights as we're watching them. And uh, I, uh, I I got uh, something to plug. I was uh, I did a show today uh, that I put posted a link on Facebook and Twitter. And if you're a fan of classic rock, you might want to check it out. It's songs by Styx and uh, Three Dog Night. And I presented them on uh, David Lovell's uh, Facebook land show, but you can access it. You know, I, I post a link on Twitter. You just click on it. And you can listen from any device. And I, I always have a lot of fun doing those and uh, some great songs by those two bands, Sticks and Three Dogs Night. So you can check that out. And then I, uh, I also co-hosted The Boom this weekend with uh, James B. McDaniel, our friend, Peppermint Fatty. Uh, and that'll drop. That's probably in your feed right now, actually. So if, uh, if you see my name on there, uh he did a fake out he introduced me as kevin ely who's the normal host and then i was like james you're losing it buddy it's me and uh yeah we had we had some fun with that but um yeah so you can check that out and then uh yeah and then uh as well next week we'll be back uh monday hopefully i'll get a chance to watch uh this weekend's ufc i will i'll I'll figure out a way but uh so for ryan i've been paul and ryan take us home like you always do i hope everybody enjoyed the show have a great week and enjoy the fights this week Later. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.